by the powers vested in me by the Federal Communications Commission, I command you to get on the microphone in a serious manner and continue this broadcast. Cairo Knights. Jonathan Weir filling in for Spike O'Neill. Thanks so much for hanging out. We got Matt Butler with me. Hey, Matt. Hey, how's it going, my friend? I also got Kevin on the board. Uh, it's good to be back. I uh, was here a week ago, and I'm surprised you let me back, but I am happy you did. Nah, by popular demand. Come on now. <laughs> there were the three people who were listening by the end of the show demanded I come back. Uh, no, it is. it is seriously cool to be back, like I said last time. Uh, Cairo is one of the coolest stations, if not the coolest in the country, as far as what you guys do. I mean, it's a news talk station that's pretty much wall-to-wall local uh, hosts, which most uh, news talk stations now are doing a lot of syndication. I know that firsthand, and uh, Seattle is the kind of city that respects that kind of thing, and I am done kissing everybody's butt. Uh, I want to talk about this. You, you heard a lot about it in the news just now. Um. In life, there are very few where were you mo- uh, where were you when moments where were you when blank moments. Unfortunately, even though there's only a few, that's still a few too many. Like Matt, where were you when nine eleven happened? I had just woken up and I was getting calls from my station owners saying, "Come down here immediately. We need you on the air." So I was off and down the road and heading in to run coverage of the events as they unfolded. Where were you at when that was happening? I was in a little town called Mountain Grove, Missouri. Oh, wow. Mountain Grove. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Hard to I, I was asleep. I was asleep. Uh, I woke up and everything had already happened and I came downstairs and my dad was screaming at me that I was going to go to war and my dad uh, has a lot of mental issues. So it wasn't really that surprising. <laughs> he was, you're going to be drafted. And I was like, okay. And then I got in the air and uh, I, I'm sorry, got in the car and on the air. Uh, it was a Howard Stern show. And they were screaming about how we need to nuke Palestine and Iran or Iraq or wherever this came from. And I was just like, I have no idea what's going on. Uh, it took me a while to figure out what was going on. It was very discombobulating and confusing. Uh, where were you when you heard Princess Diana died? Oh, that I'm assuming I you weren't working in radio then. Yeah, no, that one I honestly couldn't tell you. My memory has failed uh, me there. There, I was also asleep when that happened. Uh, so the lesson I've learned is never go to sleep and nothing bad will happen. Uh, unfortunately, the two of us working in radio, you've worked in radio a little bit longer than I have, uh, but working in radio, unfortunately, a lot of the major events, the where were you when events, I know where I was like when Sandy Hook happened, I was on the air. I know when the Boston bombing happened, I was on the air. Um, There's a lot of those moments. And the most recent one that actually I was not on the air for because I was on vacation happened a year ago today, February 24th, 2022. I know exactly where I was that evening. And chances are, so do a lot of you. I... Like I said, was on vacation. And I'm not kidding. I was in Las Vegas. And I'm not kidding. I was at Circus Circus in Las Vegas, which Hunter S. Thompson in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas described as what America would look like if the Nazis had won. 
it was the worst vacation of my life up to that point and ended up being the second worst vacation of that year. It we, we went to Las Vegas with our kids because we we're like, oh, let's go somewhere warm because we live in Boston and it sucks here in February. So let's go somewhere warm. We get to Las Vegas. It was 60 degrees in Boston. It was 25 degrees in Las Vegas. It started snowing. Despite what everybody had told me, there was nothing to do with kids. There's nothing to do in Las Vegas with children. It, it's it's a sham. It's a scam. I don't know what you're supposed to do with kids. Uh, they don't like gambling, and they don't like hookers. Is <laughs> I found out they're traumatized by those things. Uh, we were there specifically to see the Beatles love show, the Cirque du Soleil oh, thing. Yeah, Huge yeah. Beatles fan. Awesome. Yeah. And it was great. It was like $200 a ticket, but it was worth it because it was awesome, except the whole time there were these people behind us talking the whole time. Uh, And all I could think is I wish I made enough money to spend $200 on tickets for something and not even pay attention to it. Just the power move of that. That is baffling are- to me, all of the people who will pay so much for an experience to not be immersed in it, but to stand around and have conversations. I, 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 just going on a quick tangent, then I'll snap it right back. The worst example of that was I went to see, with my best friend James, went to see Bob Dylan in uh, St. Louis when, we, when I lived there. And uh, he comes out on stage, and he was terrible. He was, he was, I mean, this was almost 20 years ago but he was still he was still way too old to be out on stage and uh i didn't care i just wanted to be in his presence because I, I just absolutely worship him as a songwriter and he came out he's just blasting music and then he starts playing a, a slower quieter song called girl from north county and these people behind me go oh good it's a quiet song we can talk so like i was saying and i was like oh my god oh my god you cannot possibly be someone who wouldn't get rocks thrown at you in the old days for being a Philistine. <laughs> um, anyway, I was at Circus Circus. There was a ladder dancer uh, named Uzair Narovzov. I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation, but I think that's close enough. He, if you don't know who he is, um, he was on a America's Got Talent, and he fell off of a ladder. While he was dancing on top of it on America's Got Talent, he fell 25 feet and broke his leg. Yikes. On live television. But he was doing okay here. And at one point during this, he's dancing on the ladder. There's like a a wall of flames that he's like about to start dancing over. And I notice nobody's paying attention to this freaking guy. Nobody's paying attention to him at all. What is going on? Everybody's looking at their phones. And I'm thinking it's like the Cirque du Soleil thing. Like, you people can't appreciate anything. And then I get, like, a million notifications. I open up Twitter. And, I like, the last thing I was looking at was some uh, Twitter feed for a football writer. And he's screaming, what is Putin doing? We're all going to die. This is World War Three. I look up, and the... Ladder man, uh, Uzari Nazarov, who is a, 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 I've now found out is a Russian, um, is still balancing and hopping on the ladder. He's not phased by any of this. His act ends, he gets off stage, and then I see someone come up to him and whisper something. He starts going, and then Uzarov Navarovazov starts screaming in Russian. Starts having a cataplectic meltdown in Russian. 
starts throwing his ladders around in Russian. And it was horrifying in, in English. Um, but it was, I will never forget that moment just because of the weird synchronicity of here I am watching this Russian guy who escaped that that place. And, you know, there's a lot of the things that have changed in Russia since the USSR, but a lot of things that haven't gotten much better. He escaped that place to 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 come to America to live his dream of performing in front of Americans, and then he can't escape because while he's performing in Las Vegas, the leader of the country that he escapes invades, and that's all anybody can pay attention to. It's been a year now, and I don't know about you, Matt, but it's weird because it started off as this most terrifying event in modern history. And, and again, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like it's kind of been reduced to a little bit of a fizzle. Well, I was going to say, because it's one of these things where it seems very critical and important and people, you know, they're changing their profile pics on social media. And now a year in, it's like so many people are no longer even following it. They're no longer even aware. And yeah, it's we have, have very limited attention spans. Well, here, here's – there's – I, I want to say this real quick. Uh I haven't paid attention to this, but I think I'm going to. I'm going to drive around here where I live in Boston at some point tomorrow. I wonder how many Ukrainian flags you're even seeing anymore. Did people just go, oh, I put that up until like St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> I put an Irish flag up. It's, right. it's, uh, it was just a little bit, you know? Like I put it up until Christmas. I had to take it down. But the other thing is, yeah, we're not talking about it anymore because the main the, – the, the, in the word news, there's four letters – and three of them are the word new. If you don't got that, people stop caring. News needs to be new. So thousands of suffering and dying and having rockets shot at them. After a year, our attention spans start to go, I mean, is that still happening? Is that still going on? But I remember when it happened, I was freaking out. I was in Vegas. We, when we flew home a couple days later, I was terrified because I was like, what if he fires nukes now? What if he nukes Ukraine and then we nuke back and then he nukes us? Like, am I safer in a plane in the sky? <laughs> or is it even more dangerous up here? I guess well, like the electromagnetic, uh, the uh, EMP, the electromagnetic pulse would probably make the plane crash. I had a weird plan when I came home uh, where I went on Zillow and was looking for houses that had um, uh, solar panels on them. Because I was like, okay, if it all goes down, here's a bunch of vacant houses with solar panels on them that I can I can move my family into and we'll have a source of energy. What you really need to do is buy one of those abandoned missile silos in Kansas, then slap the solar panels on that, you'd be all set. That is actually a brilliant idea. Actually, I lived where I uh, I lived in Overland Park, Kansas. Out, just outside of Kansas City, and there apparently there is this place there that would be like the perfect place to restart civilization. It's these caves that are underground, and they have a bunch of businesses that work in the caves. And I can't believe I moved. <laughs> <laughs> How stupid! I I chased the career all the way out of Kansas. Um. So yeah, I, that was a horrifying "Where were you when?" moment, and I was thinking today about that and, and how things have changed um, as far as how terrifying it is. 
And I was thinking also, what are some positive where were you when blank moments? Because we all know the bad ones. We the nine elevens or the mass shootings, the bombings. We the, the Russia invading Ukraine. We, we I mean, uh, Columbine, Princess Diana, the Challenger explosion. I mean, I was just a little baby, but I, you know, I know a lot of people. If you're older, Pearl Harbor or JFK assassination or MLK or RFK. There's way too many assassinations. There's way too many of those bad moments. There's way too many sad moments of of where were you when and i was racking my brain matt trying to think of a positive where were you when moment and i feel like our generation is so screwed up because i don't think we have one for a number of people including myself i would say the inauguration of barack obama that was a See, memorable moment. That was an important well, moment. It was, and I agree with you 100%, but not everybody would. Because that was a where were you when moment that was good for one half of the country and horrifying for the other half yes, of the but country. Yes, but as an accomplishment let's not act like, given let's not the act history like, of the United States, I imagine it was something that even some of his detractors probably found joy in for that reason. They celebrated the historicness of the moment, electing our first black president. Yeah, I would like to believe that too, Matt. But I, I, I was on air when that was happening, and I heard from a lot of them who were not happy. <laughs> I'm sure you did. A lot of them. <laughs> Who, yeah, he, you know he was sworn in on a satanic Bible, right? <laughs> Did you not see him fist bumping his wife in, in, in a terrorist way? Like, I, you know, it, he wore a tan suit, Matt. How dare he? I just, I don't think there is a positive one. The, 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 the you know, at least boomers and some Gen Xers might remember the moon landing. The only ones I can think of. Our sports ones. Those are the only ones I can think of that are positive, but they're only positive for those fan bases. Like, I'm, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Very positive things have been happening lately. Indeed. You're a, a Seahawks fan. You, you won the Super Bowl in 2013. You probably remember where you were when that happened. Probably remember where you were the next year when Pete Carroll decided to have, <laughs> instead of having Marshawn Lynch run the ball in. From like the two yard line, <laughs> has Russell Wilson throw an interception to Malcolm Butler? You know, if you're in Seattle, you remember where you were the, when the Mariners won their 116th game in in 2001. Maybe I was trying to think of more positive Mariners moments, and that was that was a good one. The Berlin Wall. Do we have that? Do you remember? I honestly don't. But Me then either. I have a I have a notoriously bad memory due to the fact that I con- I'm constantly filling my mind with as you said the new. So right. So my but t- yeah, but you were six and I was seven. I I had a piece of the Berlin Wall. I thought of uh, what like I remember, but it's not it positive. Me. It's the uh, Gulf yeah. War. I remember that and being terrified seeing that on TV. But again, it's not. Yeah, we That's don't have positive. these positive ones. No. I'm, lo- I'm I'm racking my brain trying to think of positive ones, and we don't. And that's 
that's also it's because they're so few and far between for everybody. But at least like if you were, you know, the greatest generation, you had uh, VE and VJ Day. Older and younger than that, you got the moon landing. And then us Gen Xers or millennials got nothing. Hey, texture <laughs> suggests the uh, killing of bin Laden as one of those moments. Oh, okay. Nailed it. Okay. Thank you, Texter. Thank you. I do remember I was working in uh, Gainesville, Florida on a, a news talk station. I had to go in and cover it. Okay. But that's it. <laughs> well, at least that's, we have that's... one. At least we got one, and it still involves something horrifying. Also true. The Navy SEALs pumped a bunch of bullets into his disgusting terroristic skull. But uh, that was unifying in a good way. Yeah, people were marching and dancing in the streets. Sure. Okay. Okay. But that's it. Um, All right. You know what I want to talk about next? It's easy to say, well, if that was me, I would have done things differently. When we read about some idiot doing idiotic things in the news, but would you have acted differently than the hiker from Seattle who's facing a three hundred or facing three hundred thousand dollars in fines for setting a forest on fire? I don't necessarily think you would. Talk about that coming up. Kyra Knights, Jonathan Weir, in for Spike O'Neill. Slowly I become one with the mud. But if I can't swim after four. Kyra Knights, Jonathan, we're in for Spike O'Neill. Thanks very much for joining me. Thanks to the texter that suggested the Bin Laden thing for uh, a positive where were you when moment. Uh, I was real. I really was. I wasn't like doing that as rhetorical exercise. I was genuinely depressed that I could not think of a positive one for the last 20 years. Um, this isn't a very positive story. But it is a human story. And it does, I think, demonstrate how a lot of people would react in a situation that would cause them a lot of anxiety and panic. And it's easy to judge people for panicking. Well, if that were me, I would do things differently. I would have a level head. Really? Really? Because I've seen you in traffic, Bill. I've seen you I've seen you freak out because the person in front of you waited too long and the light went red. And now you're not going to get home for dinner. What happened was a hiker was lost in Arizona. His name is Philip Powers III. More on that in a second. He had exhausted his water and food supply. His phone was dead, and he was camping. He later told officials that he thought he was done, like going to die. So Powers set three fires to signal for help. According to a law enforcement officer, the rising smoke soon led to the 37-year-old's rescue by the U.S. Forest Service. Officials, however, say he acted recklessly. Powers was later hit with seven charges related to his emergency blazes, one of which expanded into a forest fire in May 2018. Last week, U.S. Magistrate Judge Camille DeBibles, which is a 
crazy cool name, ordered him to pay nearly $300,000 in restitution in monthly payments of $200, which doing some back-of-the-napkin math will take him a million years to actually pay off. On Friday, Powers' attorney filed to begin the process of appealing the sentence in past hearings. Power and his lawyers justified the fires as necessary for his survival. So basically what he's saying is I had to do it because I was going to die. And what they're saying is, okay, first of all, you would had only been lost for 48 hours. You also had some water left. You also found a cabin that had coconut oil, peanut butter, and jam in it in that 48 hours. It wasn't exactly alive, the movie out there. It wasn't exactly Hatchet by Gary Paulson. Yeah. He said he drank his own urine to survive. But he had water It was 48 hours. I don't know about you, Matt, but I'm waiting a little bit longer than 48 hours to drink my own urine, especially if I have water left. left. Yeah. That's got to be at least 72 hours. It's almost, yeah, I'm giving it 60 to 72. It's almost like he was like, you know what? Bear Grylls told me to do this. And if that guy could do it, what can I do? Um, He tried to make calls and use a cell phone for navigation, but his phone's battery died before he found cell service. So that's when he just started setting everything on fire and then walking away from it. And it caused a huge forest fire. Um I I would like to say that if I were in his situation, I would not have acted that way. But I also have generalized anxiety disorder and have a tendency to freak out. Okay, for instance, one time I was, uh, when I was in high school, was on a trip into Germany with uh, my German class, and I fell asleep on the bus. They all went into Burger King to get something to eat. And I woke up on the bus in Germany, like having some kind of weird anxiety fit, had no idea what to do. So I go up to the front of the bus and just start pulling levers. <laughs> the bus, because one of those levers was the parking brake, just starts rolling <laughs> through the parking lot slowly with me screaming my head off at the wheel yelling at people to get out of the way as I'm slamming on the brake, which isn't working because apparently I'd somehow disabled the brakes as well. (laughs) The bus comes to rest against a curb out in the middle of the street. The cops pull up around me. They help me get off the bus. And I don't know why Germany gets a bad rap. Those people were very nice to me. (laughs) (laughs) They were very nice. But you see what I'm saying? I can't sit here and judge this guy in full honesty. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to pay $300,000. I'm not saying he shouldn't suffer consequences for what he did. I am saying I don't think I'm any better than him other than the pee drinking. I wouldn't I would have waited. I would have waited on that. I don't know. How do you feel about it, Matt? Well, uh- he does bear some responsibility here because of all of the things that he did not do as a precaution. So I look at this and I go, okay, you were neglectful and your neglect led to you doing something that cost the public a ton of money. It's taxpayer money. So 
looking at it though, and I'm not thinking that he will actually end up paying the 300 grand. So then it becomes a question for me, and I was actually debating this in the office, was how much should he pay? What is a fair number, if not 300 grand, for well, his you neglect? You know what kind of uh, – I would say – I mean, I don't know half of that, maybe a hundred. But but you know, it's it's um, it's punitive. You're you give him that because you want to send a message to other people who might be out there after only forty eight hours of drinking their own right, <laughs> um, which maybe makes you a little crazy, makes you turn into Beavis and start setting everything on fire. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's what happens. Fire. fire. I don't know. Yeah, but I I don't know what the right amount would be. I do feel like two hundred dollars a month is not that unreasonable. No, but the That's overall half of amount a bad he'll car never payment. pay. So you're not yeah, going to collect three hundred. So I would he, say something less than that. You know what's weird to me though, and this is a bias I didn't even know I had until I read this story, Matt. This guy, his name is Philip Powers the Third. That name comes with a silver spoon in your mouth. It just does. I don't know his life. I don't know his situation. He claims he doesn't have any money, but he has lawyers. He claims he doesn't have any money, but have you known anyone who was blankety blank the third who was poor? No, the first name that comes to mind is Thurston Howell, so there's that. Exactly. I, I, you don't know too many the thirds. And if you do, they're the thirds because usually their fathers were successful. You don't name your kid after yourself if you ruined your life. Or your kid usually isn't that poor because because there's a descendancy there. There's a descendancy of success that you're passing on. You're passing on the name and you're passing on money. There is some sort of implied nobility there as opposed to in my family where we had like one junior and that was it. Right, you. Do. My wife wouldn't let me name any of my kids after after me. I I wanted a John, and she's like, no, because it'll be confusing. Because I'll be like John, and then I won't know which one. It was the. I'm sorry. I think she was just like, I don't want them to share your loser name. I, I don't. I don't want the curse of you to be passed on through anything but genetics. <laughs> Having a fun night here on Friday, Cairo Knights. John, the we're in for Spike O'Neill. We're gonna talk about. We're going to talk about this in a little bit. What is the best movie about the workplace? It's Office Space. I, I'm not even letting you come up with an answer. I'm not even let, giving there you There is no other answer it's, to this question. There's no, no, no answer. Office Space is perfect. But I didn't realize that it, it also would qualify as a heist movie. I know that was a major plot point in it, but I didn't know it would ever inspire somebody to try to rip off their business the same way they tried in office space. And we're going to talk about a Seattle man who tried to do that on Cairo Nights. Cairo Knights, 
John DeWeer in for Spike O'Neill. Um, sometimes people seem like they get the wrong idea from movies. Like they 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 take the wrong lesson from movies. Like uh, like the movie Avatar. I think a lot of people who went to see that movie took the lesson from that movie that it was a good movie. Like they they took the lesson that it was actually a good movie <laughs> that they should tell their friends about away from it. That was a terrible, terrible, terrible thing to do. Um, I think this also happened with the movie Office Space as far as uh, an engineer in Seattle who worked for the online re- retailer Zulily is concerned. Um, and by the way, he could have helped out Philip Powers III from our last story because he stole exactly $300,000 <laughs> from Zulily. So what this guy did was he was working for them. And uh, Zulily noticed that this money was being routed uh, away from them into somebody else. And investigators started looking into his laptop, and they found on his laptop a file titled Office Space Project. And it held details of a plan to move shipping fees into his own private bank account, which was Kind of what they were, if you've ever seen the movie Office Space, which if you have not, I would encourage you to because it's an amazing movie, especially if you've ever worked in corporate America in any capacity whatsoever. Uh, In that movie, they basically round off transactions into a bank account, and it's only supposed to be like pennies and, and percents of pennies at a time, and they screw it up and end up like with $150,000 overnight. I don't know if this guy got that far in the movie because the point is they got caught. <laughs> they they knew they were getting caught, and so they were ready to admit it, but then there was a Dow Ex Machina event that saved them. Not going to get into it. Don't want to spoil the movie for people, but it's a great movie. You should watch it. Um, So he did all this stuff and was literally titling, titling it The Office Space Project. He claims he just forgot to tell his employer to return or return the items and then once he was fired, according to the police report, he says he thought, ah, um, you know. So I didn't know. Because I've never thought of it like this before, Matt, but I never thought of Office Space as a heist movie. Huh. Because it reframes the way you view the entire thing. Yeah. And I was thinking that. There could be a list, and I think I'm going to do this, and uh, I guess we'll have to do it coming up, of heist movies that are great because they don't pull it off. Heist movies that are awesome because they don't get away with it. To me, those are the best heist movies because you get the fun of watching the heist, but then you also get the justice of them getting caught. Huh. Yeah. I'm a big fan of justice. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, coming up, we'll do that. Best heist movies where they get caught. <laughs> so I guess that might be spoiling some of these, but I don't that, care. That, that took my uh, pick for best heist movies off off the table entirely. Oh, yeah? Because I just, yeah, I screwed you up, didn't I? Because I told you it was just best heist movies. What was your, what was your pick for best heist movie? I was going to go with the Ocean series with Clooney and Pitt. Ocean's okay. 11, 12, and 13. I really enjoyed See, those films. I wouldn't include those anyway because nobody wants to see a bunch of good-looking people get away with crime. Nobody wants that. We need ugly people succeeding in that. That makes us all feel better. <laughs> those people were all too good-looking. What is? 
all of them could have just been models. Why do they need to rip off a casino? It was They'll the principle of the thing. Ah. All right, we'll do that coming up. Best heist movies where the people get caught. If you can't think of any, I got a bunch for you. They're all great. And so much more coming up on Cairo Nights. Jonathan, we're in for Spike O'Neill. Thanks so much for hanging out. More to come.